I remember specifically praying, slow me down so I can hear you speak to me. I want to understand the reality of Jesus. And during those months, in a variety of ways, He did. God not only revealed His holiness to me, but He also revealed to me what a dark person my heart is. Sean grew up in a decent Christian home, and he was no stranger to the church. But his teenage life was marked by rebellion, pride, and of course, sexual sin. By the time he went to college, he had dropped the Christian facade completely, unless it got him something that he wanted. When he met Susan, he knew he didn't deserve her, so he put on the Christian mask to win her heart. They soon got married and things went okay for a while until his double life was exposed. Today you'll hear Sean and Susan's testimony of God's faithfulness, how he worked in their hearts during the most difficult period of their lives. Today they not only have a joyful marriage, but a passionate love for God. This is Purity for Life. Sean and Susan Smith know firsthand the power of God to transform a person's life. And after graduating our programs, they both became biblical counselors for our at-home programs. They shared their story with Mike Johnston, what it was like to suffer through years of Sean's deception, but also the many wonderful things God did in their lives. We trust this will be a blessing to you. Sean and Susan Smith are joining me by phone. They actually live in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, Susan, you are a graduate of the Overcomers at Home program. I think you graduated in uh, 2006. And Sean, you graduated the Living program, I think, in uh, January of 2007, right? That's correct. Well, we have not a whole lot of time, but we do want to take a little bit of time today to just kind of share a little bit about what the Lord has done in your life. Uh, Sean, before we go into what happened to you here at Pure Life Ministries, talk to us a little bit about what your life was like before you came here, and really even go back a little bit further before the marriage in 2001. What was your life like in general? What was your faith life like? Well, I had uh, grown up in the church and um, had been pretty faithful going to our church and Sunday school since I could remember. Mm. When I was probably 15 or, or maybe even 17, I went to a, a youth camp. And when I got back home from that camp, I had a, what you would call a, a salvation experience. But nothing really in my life changed. I viewed it as just another checkbox of join church, get saved, if you will, mm. uh, check it off. But um, nothing in my life changed. Well, let me just ask you, now you say that now, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, but, but when you were 17 and when you were going through that, I assume that, uh, that it was important to you. I mean, this decision that you made had to be based on some motivation. It, it was probably more of an uh, emotional experience. Uh, again, it, it was talked about in our family, you, you're around Christian friends, mm-hmm. you hear the word, get saved, are you saved? And I couldn't really answer that prior to that, and, and when I was at this camp, I actually saw people who what I thought would be classified as Christians. So I was like, well, that's what it is, then then yeah, I, I can do that. I'll do that. I, I'm Christian. Okay, N- now what? Now you said that things in your life didn't change. Were there things uh, going on in your life that needed to change? Well, sure. 
number one, I mean, uh, just a, a teenager just being rebellious and mm. not listening to my parents and wanting to do my own thing and wanting to be successful and go out and conquer the world and uh, have relationships with girls and to just kind of do my own thing. Mm. And um, nobody was going to tell me what to do. And just the fact that I was my own boss, and it really came to a head when I went off to college, and, and I really didn't have to answer to any kind of authority whatsoever. My understanding from your story is that there was a tremendous change that took place when you went into college. Yeah, uh, when I went there, I, I really didn't have anybody to answer to. I mean, I began to party a lot. I began to become more and more like the people around me, just worldly. Church was not a thought whatsoever, and I even went to a, a Baptist college for two years, and that just that wasn't a, it was never an issue of me going to church or not. Yeah, when I would come visit my family, yeah, I'd go. I could play the game. I could show up Sunday morning, and, and when my mom would call and ask me if I'm going to church, I would lie and say, yeah, I'm there. You know, And, and sometimes I would dart in there once in a while, but that, that's really what changed for me is that I really began to understand that this world was for my taking. I mean, everything mm-hmm. in it, the pleasures of the world were there. And at the time, I didn't know they were pleasures. I just thought it was normal life. I mean, mm-hmm. this is what life is about when, when you're surrounded by people who aren't Christians at all, and they're having a good time, and you're having a good time. You just kind of you go with it, and next thing you know, um, you're in it, and, and you don't even know what's right or wrong anymore mm-hmm. uh, because everything seems to be right. Well, Susan, uh, Sean has kind of described what life was like for him in college. Uh, I know that it was in college that you met him. What did you see when you first met Sean? Well, I guess I just saw a guy that was going through typical college stuff. I was doing the same thing myself. I was more of a self-righteous kind of person that thought I had it all together. I was a good girl, and he was kind of not the rebellious boyfriend, but he was exciting and I mm-hmm. you know liked that he enjoyed life and the fun that we had but I would say that it was always a struggle in our relationship with deep down inside I wanted more of a person that was spiritual and that could connect on that level with me and just not really sure of who we were because mm-hmm. we didn't have an identity in in Christ and we didn't have an identity in in really being um you know, consumed in that party lifestyle either. Neither one of them fit. In other words, we were very lukewarm and very in the middle. And I think that is what I observed mostly about him was that um, he was searching, and we were both searching, but he would definitely have more of a people-pleasing kind of I want to fit in in one way or the other, and neither one of us ever felt comfortable. I wanted to ask you, Sean, now you said you were with girls before you got married. Uh, Were you sexually involved? Were you already involved in pornography, all of that before you got married? Yes. Uh, And was it your thought, or if you even struggled at all, was it your thought that marriage would bring an end to all of that, or was it even a consideration? Well, that's that's the thing. When, When I met Susan, I saw for the first time like what I would consider a wholesome girl. Mm. You know, she would profess very strongly that the church was important to her, that God really was a true being to her. And I wanted that because I looked at my life and I was like, I'm not really the uh, purest guy out here. And here I am dating what I would call marriage material. Mm. And um, uh, hopefully Susan won't get mad at me (laughs) when I... When I recall the nickname that I had for her, that I would call her church girl, I really need to be good for her because no one like her Mm. would ever take seriously somebody like me. Mm. So in the course of our dating, it was a lot of me trying to please Susan. Mm. And the thing was, I was really good at it because, yes, I had my 
pornography going on at the same time, and I was able to hide that extremely well. And I could also be very manipulative to Susan. So when we would have these conversations about church or God, I never felt comfortable answering it because I didn't have any good answers. Mm. But I was able to manipulate the situation to give the answers that I knew Susan wanted to hear. Mm. Susan, how long were you into the marriage before you began to sense that there was a serious problem going on? Well, actually, it was after the birth of our daughter. We had been married for four years, and I just always thought that Sean was just a little resistant towards any spiritual talk, you know, about the Lord or church, and and I just thought maybe that would come with time. So that wasn't really the seriousness of the issue with me. It was after she was born, finding some sort of pornography on our computer the month after she was born, and just kind of flipped out on on him and said, you know, what's going on? Do you have a problem with pornography? And he denied everything at that time. And then it was on into he got a new job, and he seemed really disconnected with us and would come home and just be exhausted and not really connect with me or our daughter. And and things began to progress as far as just being consumed with work and Mm. really consumed with self. He became very selfish and very... um, just withdrawn from Mm -hmm. us and from his family, too. So those were my two things, was more Mm -hmm. his behavior, his actions, his disconnect with us. Mm -hmm. Sean, I know that in your story you write about the fact that as she was confronting you, really, rather than dealing with it, it just drove you further into the darkness. It did, because here my wife is pointing a finger at me, saying, do you have a problem with pornography? I I found this pornography, and uh, here she is. I'm viewing her as this holy person. Mm. I just lied because I knew that if she knew any truth about the reality of me consuming pornography and whatnot, all those years, now we're talking five years of marriage and uh, a year and a half prior to that, so almost six and a half years of just knowing her, all those six and a half years of protecting this person that I was, hiding this person, I couldn't let mm. anything leak. So every time she would ask me about pornography or whatnot, it was an instant denial, instant lie, instant, no, I'm not doing it. Are you? And then I would actually start manipulating it and mm. flipping it on her and making her think that she was crazy at some point mm. of saying, wow, uh, Sean really loves me. Why would I even need pornography? And just, mm-hmm. just manipulate the whole situation and control it. So it almost sounds like it was more important to you to protect this image of Sean Smith than it was even to keep doing what you were doing. That's true. And in fact, that became a lot of work yeah. of protecting me and, and the image that I've mm-hmm. built over all these years in, in front of Susan. So mm-hmm. now well, I'm a husband, I'm, I'm a father, and now I really can't let anything mm-hmm penetrate that or bring that down. Well, eventually uh, it was exposed to Susan. I know that you uh, went to your families and the families got involved. At what point, really, Sean, did you just finally acknowledge uh, what was going on? I acknowledged it when Susan confronted me with cell phone records. Mm -hmm. She came into my office at work and just asked me point blank, there's some weird cell phone calls, what's going on? And part of me wanted to get caught, part of me wanted to die. I remember praying prior to that that God would take me out if if Mm -hmm. needed be. And so I was just tired. I was tired of hiding. I was tired of running. I was tired of lying. I didn't really understand any kind of consequences. Didn't really know what was going to happen. But Mm -hmm. ultimately, when Susan came forward, I just caved in and confessed on that particular issue. And it was a painful 48, 72 hours of more stuff being 
exposed mm-hmm. as I confessed mm-hmm. the pornography, confessed a whole bunch of stuff prior to being married to Susan. So when she came calling, this is when I pretty much started fessing up. Well, eventually you guys found out about Pure Life Ministries, and Sean, you left your home and came to the hills of Kentucky. What was that like, Susan, the day he left? It was a very hard day. Um, it was the day after our daughter turned one. So as a mother, it was kind of like, here I am with a one-year-old, and you're leaving the day after a birthday. Mm. So a lot of uncertainties, a lot of sadness, but at the same time, some relief, knowing that he was going to get help. I remember as we looked at the Pure Life website where it said a minimum of six months, it was kind of like somebody hits you right in the stomach as far as how am I going to you know, be a single mom? How are we going to live on one income? Will he come back? What will he be like when he comes back? More importantly, will he stay? <laughs> and we um, A lot of mixed emotions there. Totally mixed, but at the same time, such a peace knowing mm. that it was the answer that he was going to go and meet the Lord. We knew through the website and through talking and praying that this was definitely the Lord rather than just another program or another solution. And we can't even think about what's going to happen when you get back. We're not even going to worry about that, but we know you have to go. So in one weird way, it was very peaceful and a a relief for both of us, I think, for him to actually start on the journey of finding what he needed to find. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, it would be the easy story to tell that, uh, Sean, you got to Pure Life, you were here for six months, and everything went smoothly, and and then you went home and lived happily ever after. But something happened a month into your stay here at Pure Life Ministries. Talk about that. That's right, Mike. Basically, I showed up at Pure Life not really, really understanding what I was getting into. I knew that it was a Christian organization that was what I thought was like a halfway house. But again, my only exposure to Christianity was, you know, just the folks that are around me and, mm. and half-worldly with the way I was living at the point. So I just thought that this was just, just your normal Christian thing. We'll, we'll say God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and, and uh, everything will be, you know, we, we can buzz right through this thing. Now what happened was, as soon as I got to Pure Life, Susan and I, we had made some progress between coming clean and going to Pure Life. It was about a 12-day period there that um, I had confessed and starting to, to be honest somewhat at bits and pieces. But when I got to Pure Life, just talking with uh, counselors and uh, the other men there, that uh, this was serious. This was uh, at a different level. And I remember at a service one night, a counselor had, had mentioned, hey, if you're doing anything that you're keeping, that you're hiding, you need to tell your counselor, you need to confess to your counselor. Well, I just thought, I mean, I was only in the program maybe a week or two. And I just knew that he was talking to me. Hmm. So service couldn't end fast enough, and I went out and told my counselor what had been going and what I'd been doing. And I actually had tried to make contact with the woman that I had the adulterous affair with. And at that point, my counselor was kind of surprised, and he said, give me a day to think about how we want to handle this. And he came back, and he said, you need, you need to tell your wife. And I was like, well, time out. Nope, too early. Nope, not mm. going to happen. Not, nope, God will forgive me what I did. That, that's just one thing that we don't have to do. And he said, yes, you do. Mm. And so he gave me his phone, and I made a, a painful, painful call to Susan and just completely blindsided her because she had sent me on to Kentucky, had all these hopes of me changing, having hopes that God would meet me there. Here I am calling her 10 days after I get there, letting her know all these things that I had lied about even in the days prior to Pure Life. Mm. And it was weird where I really felt like I was confessing more, knowing that I'd blown it, but still just kicking Susan in the gut 
with all these painful things that I have done. And at that point, I felt like I was out of control. Mm-hmm. And that's when Susan cut me off completely from our finances. She moved everything into her name. I had access to absolutely nothing. That was painful. Susan, you're on the other end of this. You've sent your husband off with hopes that the Lord was really going to be able to do a work in him. I think anybody listening to what Sean just said would certainly understand if you never wanted anything to do with this man again. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the Lord did something in your heart about how you viewed Sean and what he was going through. Tell us about that. He did. I, I mean, I think any wife that goes through this, when they leave, you're just if you're a Christian, you're praying for true repentance. You're praying that he wouldn't just be sorry he got caught or that his life is ruined, but he, he would really repent and see his actions in a full spectrum. And that was my prayer for him. In those first couple of weeks, I thought, you know, he's not there yet. You know, he'd call and he'd, he'd talk about how hot it was there. And <laughs> <laughs> But, I, you know, I thought, let's get hotter, whatever. But um, <laughs> then it was more of like it wasn't a true repentance yet, and I knew that. But I also thought, there's no way he's going to get away with anything there. And then when he did make the contact with her, it was a big, huge blow for me. Um, at that time, I just became more angry rather than broken. I, I think I just became furious. You know, how can he do it? Mm. But deep down inside, I still knew that this was a place it needed to be. And I knew that, you know, I couldn't just stay in the marriage for our daughter, but I could give it more time. And it was really my father that just said, you know, hang in there, don't go to a lawyer, keep praying about it. And I just remember that night just saying, Lord, I've got to feel better. You know, I've got to Mm. be able to function. And he gave me that. And, um, sorry. And then it was, um, it was August that I finally felt like I could get to a point of going through the counseling. And I knew I needed it, but I was really resistant. And to be honest with you, I talked to some other women, and they said, oh, they're just going to push you to forgive, 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 you know, and and look at your own life. And I thought, well, I am not quite ready for that. That's Mm -hmm. really what he needs to be doing. You know, how could they say that I need to do that? Again, self-righteous. But finally, I really felt like I'd come to the point where, you know, he was starting to see true repentance, and he was starting to really seek after the Lord, and I was ready to get help for myself. So it was kind of selfish in that way that I wanted help for me, mm-hmm. a place where I could vent. But my counselor guided me through it. And of course, I got the walk of repentance and thought, why do I need to repent? But <laughs> this is what she has for me to do. So I started going through the OCA program and really got exposed to a lot of issues mm-hmm. within my heart and our marriage that I had allowed to fester and, and just become bigger and it was painful, but at the same time, it was a wonderful time of me getting right with the Lord and seeing what idols I had put in my life and how I'd put Sean on a pedestal. And it was like a whole second chance for us hmm. to um, really be time apart from each other and to, to spend time with the Lord. But it, it was extremely hard, I will say that. You said in your testimony that the Lord enabled you to begin to see Sean as a human being in need of help rather than a monster. Right. I just think I always grew up with, you know, the thought of pornography or anyone having an affair. You know, they're monsters. They're unforgivable. That is what Scripture says is one grounds for divorce, you know, Mm. committing adultery. But I will say you're never prepared for that until it happens to you. Mm. And then it's only by the grace of God that you can step back and look and say, you know, he's not a monster. Biblically, it is a sin, and my sin is just as big as it is in in the sight of the Lord. And I'll say that that was the biggest way 
that the Lord changed me was for me to be able to see he's not a monster. You know, he needs Jesus just as much as you do. Sean, I know that you were seven months in the Living Program here at Pure Life Ministries. If you could kind of summarize, what did God show you about your life, and what did he do in you while you were here? Being early in the program, you, you start hearing men's testimonies about, wow, that they were walking on the ridge, and boom, God just hit them upside the head, or they mm. were walking on the prayer trail, and then boom, they just became undone. And I remember after month two, month three, just going to my counselor going, I don't understand what's going on. I'm not seeing anything that the Lord is doing in me. I'm absolutely nothing. Mm. And he would always say, go out and pray, go out and pray, go out and pray, go go seek Jesus. I remember specifically praying for clarity and to clear my head, Lord, so I can see you. Slow me down so I can see you and hear you speak to me. I want to understand the reality of Jesus. And during those months, in a variety of ways, too many ways to even name off. He did. Um, mm. God not only revealed his holiness to me, but he also revealed to me what a dark person my heart is. Mm. And I started to see that I wanted to please me, whether it be pleasure or just to have the right answer. Um, I started to see my pride is really what it was. And had you had told me anything about pride prior to going to Pure Life, I'd been like, no, no, even denied it that that was a prideful person. But now I say that without the Lord, that would not have been revealed to me, and I would continue to be walking in darkness. So it's times like that that really just put me in a corner. You know, are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to continue to follow after the world and destroy everything that's put in your path? Mm. And Jesus put me to that point of having to make that decision and truly understand what repentance is. Not just sorry to get caught, but true repentance when there's nobody around, there's no consequences per se, and and to really understand that that sinful nature that I have, that knee-jerk reaction to protect self, to look after number one, is the sin that he detests, and it's that that Jesus came for and died for for somebody like me. I don't understand it, but I am... So grateful for the truth and Jesus, because nothing in my life since I stepped foot in Kentucky on that campus is something that I've done. Everything from that point on to this very moment is all Jesus bringing things together. Susan, when Sean came home, did you see a different person? I sure did. He was very different. At first, too good to be true, I would say. We had to um, learn how to trust each other all over again, but I will say that You know, he was not self-centered as much as he was. He was definitely a giving man. He was definitely focused on the Lord. Um, But then as a wife who's been through something like that, you're looking for the other shoe to drop Mm. all the time. So even though I saw those changes, we were constantly analyzing each other and, and learning to trust each other again and more importantly, trust what the Lord had done in us individually. Mm. And then we could grow as a marriage back together. But certainly when he came home, I could see huge changes in him, in his heart, in things he did day in and day out, in his focus on the Lord and just wanting to do what he had for us now rather than, you know, let's have a nice house, let's get a good job. It was totally different, a different Mm. focus. So Mm. praise the Lord on that. Yes. Well, what a tremendous mercy the Lord has done. Are you at a place where you can look back on all of this and, and despite the pain of it, that you're grateful for having gone through this? 
I think we are. I am definitely getting to a place where I don't get angry when I talk about what happened and when I share our testimony. Mm. It's not, hey, look what I've been through. I'm a victim. It's more of look at what the Lord has done, and Mm. we're definitely getting more of a burden to help other people. So for me as a wife, God has done a huge work in me being able to talk about it without those emotions surfacing again. Mm. But when I talk to someone else, being able to relate to the emotions they might experience, and that is just a huge praise. Amen. Sean, I can only imagine there is a tremendous freedom in finally being able to be you. There, There is, and that's really the exciting part of sheer joy that the Lord has allowed me to experience through this. The fact of the matter is, is for the first time in my life, these past two years since, since graduated from the Living Program, I've been as transparent as possible to Susan. Not in a idle approval way, but in a humbling, real person, real way that I don't have it all together and Susan, you, by your own admission, you say you don't have it all together. Mm-hmm. And we've come to the point that, as we'll jokingly say to each other, is that we're both jacked up people who need Jesus. That reality in our marriage has grown us together like never before and brought a level of intimacy, just communicating to each other that honestly never thought existed. Mm-hmm. And as times of repentance come up, you know, I can share with Susan or if there's prayer that I need or that we need together, we can go to the Lord together in a true way. And I'm, and I'm not pretending anymore. I'm not acting to fool Susan to think that. I mean, the reality is that God directs our steps now, and He directs our marriage, and He directs our family. And to be able to go together openly, honestly, as two jacked up people needing Jesus, that is a tremendous blessing that I'm so grateful for. Amen. Indeed, the truth will set you free. Indeed. Amen. Sean and Susan Smith, thanks so much for talking to us about what Jesus has done in your life. I'm sure that'll be a, a blessing to others. Thanks for talking with us today. Thank you. Thank you. If you or someone you care about is struggling with sexual sin, or if you just desire a more meaningful walk with God, we have many resources available on our website at purelifeministries.org. Our sermons, videos, books, and blog articles can be a tremendous blessing as you pursue holy living. And I want to strongly urge you, if you're in bondage to sexual sin, if you can relate to Sean's story, please look into one of our counseling programs. I know it seems like a radical step to take. I can testify that 12 years ago, coming to Kentucky for nine months seemed like a very daunting idea. But it is worth it. God can set you free and give you something more than you ever thought possible. That's it for today. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.